Hello and welcome to The Outer Frame, the show where we talk about the movies that don't get talked about enough. I'm your host, Jason Sellers, and on today's episode, we will be discussing Quentin Tarantino's half of the 2007 exploitation tribute Grindhouse, his segment, the horror film, Death Proof. Oh my god, that is a long intro. But first, let me introduce the best stuntman I know, Stuntman Donnie. Yes, Stuntman Donnie, not Stuntman Bob, because that is Stuntman Mike's brother. Um, but also, you're, you're their cousin. I'm the, I'm the cousin. <laughs> yes, true. I have the hair to match. Um, <laughs> it's a good time. And, and also, the best DJ I know, Classy Caitlin. I don't like that name. <laughs> you also don't like alliteration. I, I don't like alliteration. <laughs> That's unfortunate. But hello to the collective Jace out there. Ah, uh, the collective Jace. Mm-hmm. If only, if only they knew that the real Jace is He's in town! He's, he's around. He's doing his thing. <laughs> yes, he is. I've what if heard. there, like, was no Jace? There is a Jace. Don't you ever say <laughs> there that. There is a Jace. Don't you ever suggest differently. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not what I was How to dare imply. you? Jace doesn't exist except for in the heart of every child. <laughs> I just meant, like, what if you didn't really have a friend named Jace and you just decided that your audience was called the collective Jace, but, like, there was no frame of reference for an actual Jace in your life. I mean, that's how this started. Jace is actually an anagram for <laughs> just asshole collective everybody. Did you just call your audience assholes? You are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. I apologize. Okay, to that's enough. Who's that's enough banter. Yeah, let's. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and cut this short and just get right into it. Uh, Caitlin, what is the worst thing that you've seen this week? Um. So I've been on a bit of a deep dive into my Prime Video. And the worst thing that I saw this week was a movie called Red Lights. 2012, it's got Sigourney Weaver, Robert De Niro, and Killian Murphy. Um, it's kind of like a paranormal... No, I wouldn't even call it paranormal. It's like Sigourney Weaver is a psychologist, and she goes around like debunking paranormal... like activity basically and psychics and like crystal healers and homeopathy all the things that jason hates yes and um then there's some then uh robert de niro comes back from being on a hiatus and he's supposed he's like a blind um psychic psychic yeah basically and so killian murphy kind of goes mad trying to prove that He's fake. What didn't you like about it? Uh, the ending was, like, it. I thought it was pretty good until the very end. Um, I don't know, it's from, like, 2012. Has it been long enough for spoilers? Yeah. Sure. Um, so, <laughs> the whole thing is that, so they're trying to prove that he's a fake, and all these things happen to... Uh, um, just, like, get in his way of being able to prove it. And, like, Sigourney Weaver dies, and he finally has his, like, face-off 
with Robert De Niro and you find out that Robert De Niro is not blind. He is a fake. But Killian Murphy like goes crazy because surprise, he does actually have psychic powers and his whole thing is that he's trying to find someone out there just like him. And it was great up until that moment. So that kind of destroyed the whole thing and it was really stupid. And I guess red lights, like the term red lights is um oh man, I'm probably wrong, but it has something to do with like the people who are fake psychics. Like that's a terminology used for them. Mm. <laughs> All right then. Yep. So well, it was a big disappointment. That is a big disappointment because I love me some Killian Murphy and I don't feel like we get enough these days. I know. That cast, those three alone mm-hmm. should have been really good. And, yep, that's why I was, like, interested, and it was a letdown. I was even more interested in, like, rewatching it with you once I was, like, halfway through, because you hate psychics. I do. And homeopathy, <laughs> and crystal healers, and all the above. Crystals! If, 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 we, if, if, any of you, if any of the Collective Jace out there are psychics or crystal healers... Please I, go on Twitter with our, I, to argue with Jason yeah. and I, argue with him. I, I want you to just suck a fuck... And also continue to promote our show. <laughs> and I'm going to insult you and request a favor from you at the You can same fucking time. die, but I want you to keep listening. Yeah. You'll just um, be the undead Jace at this point. Yes. <laughs> um, also, go, if you are also not into that sort of stuff, uh, you can check out one of Jason's favorite people, J- James Randy? James Randy. Yep. They pulled a lot of their info from him and their tricks, so, yep. All right. Radical. Well, Donnie, what is the worst thing that you have seen this week? The worst thing I've seen this week is a... Okay, so they made a bunch of live-action Resident Evil movies, right? They did. They and also... You're a fan of most of them, uh, right? Yeah, in possibly the wrong ways. Uh, I, <laughs> I do say that you can still watch the first Resident Evil, and it's still, like, good. It's, like, pretty good. Um, and then even the third one is kind of okay, but then every mm-hmm. other one is just differing levels of horrible. Um, however, they also made um, CGI films, and they had Ooh. and they made um, three of them. And I watched the third one, and it's called Resident Evil Vendetta. And I I I suppose I can't really say too much about it. That's not going to be like if you don't already know what Resident Evil is. It's a series that was that started as a as a survival horror video game with mostly zombies and then like bioengineered super soldier creatures and horrible like uh, mistakes from those experiments. Um, and it's it's one of my favorite franchises. Uh, but <laughs> and and eventually just mold. And it, yeah, eventually just mold. And then they just did the remake of two because. People just love those old games, um, and so so they they've been making these movies, these CG movies that kind of tie in with the games, and uh, kind of you know take the characters that you've grown accustomed to and put them in a movie as opposed to like adapting it to a live action, and from that point, um, there's a lot of vendettaing going on in this movie. Because there's there's one person who lost someone, and there's another person who lost his wife, like on his wedding on the wedding day, because there was like a missile strike, and he was the only person that survived, and so he became like a crazy mad scientist. And the funny thing is, like, 
the only thing <laughs> the only thing left of his wife when the missile strike happened was just her arm so like and this is very relevant because early on in the movie you see that it's just her arm and then you realize that uh the what it, it, they pretty much pull the dracula thing uh, where like oh the one of the heroes uh of the film looks like his wife so then he like kidnaps her and i'm just like really this is not mm. um anyway but if you if you don't like kind of like what the resident evil games and movies turned into at some point like you're probably not going to like this because it's it's kind of just dumb action at some point so I have only seen the first three Resident Evil movies. Mm-hmm. So, so my question, and, and I would rank them as my favorite being the third one, and then the first one, and then Nemesis is just fucking terrible. Right. So the second one, yeah, um, which I I would definitely rank as one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. It's not so good. My my question to you is is where does uh, where does this fall on that spectrum? <laughs> uh. Like, it's so funny because it's I have a hard time like pulling my nostalgia away, um, even though they've kind of ruined all the characters at this point. I would say that this movie probably lands like of the CG films. It's probably the second best. Okay. And then of of like if you're talking about just like Resident Evil films in general, it's probably like it's it's above like. Three of the live action ones. I will not say which ones. Okay. But at this point, if you're gonna watch any of the Resident Evil movies, you might as well just watch them all. You've <laughs> I, already I, made I, bad I, bets. That, that's probably true. If, you, if you're gonna watch them now. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Well, the worst thing that I saw within the last week is a movie with a really long title that is on Netflix. And it is extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Um, which is the Ted Bundy movie. And I am not going to lie. I like most of it. I like a lot of it. I think, and I've told Caitlin this, and she, she thinks that this is a really stupid comment, but I don't care. So this so this version of this story is not really about him as a serial killer. It's more about his girlfriend ex- or a former girlfriend accepting the fact that he was a serial killer. Mm. And that's not a spoiler. That's just what the movie's about. Um, I mean, it's a true crime movie. Yeah, and based on true events. There's no spoiler. Yeah, and and, and <laughs> Zac, Zac Efron is great in it. Um, he's a lot of fun to watch, and <clears throat> so is everybody else. I mean, Haley Joel Osment's in it, and he's really fun to watch. My biggest issue is that the emotional climax of the movie hangs on her, like, finally realizing and accepting that he's a serial killer, which is something that you, as the viewer, know the entire time. <laughs> um, and I just do not feel like the payoff makes the rest of the movie worth it like what they're building towards and so my comment to caitlin was that if this was about a fictional character it would be much more interesting (laughs) because Mm. then you like um i don't remember her name mary then you like mary would not know if he was a serial killer or not 
and that would make things way more interesting. But because we know that he's a serial killer, her her realizing that he's a serial killer is not that interesting. <laughs> um, and so I think it was an interesting idea, and I think that there is a better version of that movie that they could make, um, and a, like a good version of this story that they could tell. I don't think that this movie is that story. So, let's start off with the fact that I am a huge, may not even cover it, but a huge true crime fanatic, and I have been for many years. Um, I know tons and tons about Ted Bundy, and I am a member of like some like true crime chat on Facebook and stuff. So a lot of comments came out, like were appearing um, on the boards when this movie came out and people did say that it was like a letdown and if you're if you're into it and you're looking for more of the Ted Bundy aspect of this movie, like his crimes, you're going to be disappointed. Like this is really like Jason said it's really not about him as a criminal uh, more so about him having a relationship and functioning being a functioning member of society while at the same time being a serial killer and his girlfriend's experience with that so i didn't hate it as much as jason um I well, find to, it to be clear. I did not hate it. Okay, there's just sorry. Uh, there's just a lot of things about it that I think don't work and that I don't enjoy. I also feel like the logline for this movie is, "Hey, I I know you know that Ted Bundy was a shitty person because he was a serial killer, but did you also know that he was a shitty person to his girlfriend?" <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't that shitty to her. Like he ra- helped raise her daughter. Like. Anyways, I'm not defending him by any means. That suddenly sounded like I did. <laughs> he is a terrible human being. Um, but one of the fascinating parts about him is that he wasn't like any of the profiles. He was very good looking. He fit into society. He maintained a relationship. Um, so I get why they made it. I mean, his girlfriend came out with a, a book... And so this is kind of coming off that. I think it's ironic, maybe, in a funny way, that you're, that Jason, your feeling is that this would be more interesting if it wasn't about a real person, when the reality is that it should be more interesting. I think what their idea is, at least, that it should be more interesting because it's this crazy story and it is a real person. I know, they just, they do a really bad job of telling the story in my head. Yeah, I mean, they're, I don't know, I would really like to see a Ted Bundy movie about him and his crimes and, like, what led up to this point with Zac Efron as Ted Bundy. Like, he did, he was amazing. He was great. He was really fun to watch. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. Caitlin, stop gushing all over Ted Bundy. He was a serial killer. <laughs> ha ha. Caitlin, what was the best thing that you saw this week? <laughs> there are way more serial killers that I like. Caitlin, what was the best thing you saw this week? Okay, so <laughs> switching gears. Um, 
So I, again, got my movie off of, or found this movie on Prime, um, our Prime video, and it was called Backroads. I'm not going to give too many spoilers about this one because it did come out in December of 2018, so it's only, it's been out for less than a year. Um, it's got Alex Pettifer, is that how you say his name? I believe so. Um, <laughs> uh, you ju- put those eyebrows down, Donnie. <laughs> Do you know how to say it? Pedifer? What? Pedifer? P- Pedifer? Pedophile? You know what? Whatever. Um, Jennifer Morrison and Juliet Lewis. It it was really good. I didn't think when like it was over i didn't think that i liked it but then the more that i kind of like sat and thought about it the rest of the day i realized how much i did there were a few little things that i thought were dumb um alex pettifer is i he's supposed to be playing like an 18 19 year old which one he doesn't look at all there's like one scene where i was maybe like okay from this angle with all of his hair in his face like i kind of think he looks that like really young but then juliet lewis plays his mom and they look like they could be a married couple like <laughs> it is ridiculous she does not look like the mom of a 19 year old or of a 19 year old alex pettifer um but it's about so Juliet Lewis's mom. She is in prison for murdering her abusive husband. She's got four kids, three daughters and a son. And then when she goes to prison, he has to take over the role of taking care of his sisters instead of going to college. And he basically like hates his life and then starts having an affair with. Um, this married woman down the street and chaos I guess you could say kind of ensues ensues. Um, not crazy chaos but some and would you would you say that they are the lords of chaos no <laughs> lords of chaos lords of chaos <laughs> no not at all um and I don't know. It was really good. I I would definitely recommend it. Check it out. It seems like more of an indie movie. I don't remember seeing this at all in the theaters. And and you liked that more than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> I knew that you were going to say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I didn't want us both talking about it. So that, like that, that wasn't the best thing I saw this week. Really? Yeah. Okay, well... Asterisk here. Um, Once upon a time in Hollywood was absolutely the best thing that I have seen this week, practically all year. Um, but I thought you were going to talk about it, so I didn't want to. I didn't. What? And also, real quick, not a spoiler, any way, shape, or form. Uh, there's some shit in the credits for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at the end. Highly recommend you just sit in the theater and watch them all the way through. Yep, it's it's hilarious. Leonardo DiCaprio, mm. gross. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's like a, mm, about like. Why are you gushing all over these guys just right in front of me? This is. I would just... understand Brad Pitt. I don't know if Brad Pitt is just more my type, but you know, like Leo's a little post dated. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. Maybe it's because, like, Leo was one of my, like, first crushes. I don't know. I think he's, like, just a phenomenal actor. And, I don't know, he's, like, a huge environmentalist. So that kind of gets at the... I know, it's hot and a man. Yeah, 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 it is. You're right, Donnie. I mean, don't get me wrong. uh, Brad Pitt, gorgeous. Donnie, what was the best (laughs) thing you saw this week? The best thing I saw, so it's, uh, it... It was a photo finish to be the best thing I saw this week between Sorry to Bother You, which is the runner-up, unfortunately. But the best thing I saw this week was Coco. (laughs) I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I didn't like that one as much. Okay, well, I just won't talk. Thanks for really bumming out. I literally just said I was excited to hear what you had to say. You are not living up to Um, your classy namesake. That, that'll be the last time I rip on you this episode. <laughs> no, please. More. <laughs> um, so Coco is a one of the Pixar films. is 2017, so like about 17 Pixar films ago. <laughs> and um, and it's, uh, it's steeped in Mexican culture. It all revolves around Day of the Dead. That's when uh, the movie takes place. And it's about a grandchild of a family who wants to be a musician, but the rest of the family has forbidden any kind of music to be performed in the family, or from the grandmother, just like any kind of music anywhere around at all. Um, and so uh, Miguel is 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 the boy's name, and so he figures he 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 figures out that there's a very uh, like the most famous uh, the most famous. The most famous uh, singer in all of Mexico uh, was his like great 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 grandfather, and so he he wants to play in a, a talent show uh, to prove that he can be a musician. But then uh, things happen, and he finds himself in the land of the dead, and uh, and then he is able to talk to his family members that have passed away that they honor during the Day of the Dead, and also. And the whole and the big thing about it is that you have to people have to put up a picture of uh, the family members for the family members to be able to come back and visit the living um, around the Day of the Dead. And uh, I don't know. Most people who listen to this probably have already seen it, and this is just redundant. But um, I think they're like I feel like I learned uh, more about Mexican culture. Uh, and also, I just thought the the characters were just really good. I think the performance of uh, Miguel was really good, and everybody else just puts in a really good performance. Um, I I, I kind of saw the twist coming. It was kind of uh, obvious once you got further into the film, once they start focusing on a certain character after a certain point. And you're like, oh, this person isn't just nobody. <laughs> this is this is like <laughs> a main character, um, uh, but it has like a bunch of charm to it. And um, I think the I think why it's so successful is because it actually gets across the theme of the movie, which is family, remembering family, and being sure that you're you're not. Uh, whatever passion you have you're not like choosing a passion over family you can have a passion and family and you know still respect them and it's not um but also like your family could maybe be more accepting and forgiving of who you are and who you want to be 
which I think is a pretty powerful message in and of itself, especially given the times that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I think it's, like, even though what the thing I was, this, <laughs> the thing I was thinking about is maybe, like, uh, going into this movie, I, I wasn't going to like it as much as I uh, could have because I feel like maybe it wasn't going to be for me because, you know, I'm not Hispanic. You know, I don't, uh, like, I don't celebrate Day of the Dead. Um, but, like, these are pretty universal themes. And, like, I feel like uh, Pixar is always really good at being able to, like, no matter what the subject, making sure, like, everybody kind of has, like, uh, can relate to the story and the characters of the films that they put out. Um, so, like, it's, it's, it's really funny because, like, I can't really speak to anything in particular about it. But I just think it's, like, if, uh, like, the scene at the end between Miguel and Coco, like, and when he's playing the song, and if I start crying, then I know the movie did its job. So, <laughs> did you? like, uh, yeah, I did. Me too. Aww. So, that's, that's why, uh, and that's coming off just watching, uh, Toy Story 4 as well. Um, so good. And and yeah, Toy Story Four is definitely a different kind of film. It is not <laughs> not quite the same. Um, but yeah, uh, that is definitely a movie. I I would definitely own that film. I would want to watch it plenty of times over. Jason, why are you why, why are you laughing, Donnie? <laughs> Donnie, I just thought of Keen Peel and Toy Story Four again. <laughs> oh no! Oh yep, <laughs> it still makes me. Laugh. <laughs> it strikes animals. again. We'd attack people. Every plan. <laughs> Every plan. We got a plan. <laughs> Revolves oh, around assaulting an plan. old woman. <laughs> yep. Not even just assaulting her, like attacking her face. Yep. Of all the things, just <laughs> jumping onto her face. Yeah, it's always the face. Oh, so. But that was that was the best thing that I watched. All right, sweet. Um, I I haven't gotten week. around to watching that, and so I'm excited because Caitlin was not a fan of it, and. You, well, no, Caitlin, Caitlin, yeah. why? No, um, yeah, I why? You racist, racist, racist. <laughs> okay, I, I, I went back on me not like completely dunking on. <laughs> Good. The rest in all fairness, I did tell you more. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. Dunk. Yes. Dunk there away. You go. Um, I can be the butt of all jokes. <laughs> I have four brothers. I'm used to it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't say that I like. I didn't hate it by any means. Um, I think my reason when Jason and I like last talked about it was really stupid. I think it was because uh, Remember Me won the Academ- Academy Award for Best Song, and there was like a different song that I loved way more. No, oh, you're bitter. Yeah, um, I get it. Was it the so, one from La La Land? No. So weren't even in the same year. Weren't they? No. Hmm. It was... Uh, Star is Born? No, like, This Is Me or something from Greatest Showman. Not that that movie was good by any means, but I thought the song was amazing. Quit the, mm. bringing things back to Zac Efron. <gasps> he is in that. Stop it. <laughs> wow. Yes. Um. Oh, my stars. <laughs> no, it was... It was good. Um... I, unlike you, didn't see the twist coming. So, I was surprised. I, you know, I don't even fair, think it's fair to say that I didn't like it. Because, honestly, I don't even remember why I didn't like it. I just knew that when I walked out of that movie, I was like, hmm, 
Meh. I gotta watch this movie now because all I know about it is that it takes place on the Day of the Dead and there's a twist in it. <laughs> a twist that Caitlin didn't see coming and that Donnie saw coming. It's got good music. Oh, you'll definitely yeah. see it coming. Yeah, the music is 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 very good. All right, so the characters uh, are great too. I'm just gonna go ahead and and, and move this off the uh, Coco podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jason, Jason, what do you think about your best thing? I loved it. What do you think about? I saw I saw this uh, this movie that I bought forever ago, like literally maybe three or four years ago, and have been wanting to watch and just. It's almost three hours long, <laughs> and I just have not had the time to commit. Can to you please just give us the title? Sit down. Yeah, it's a. Give it. It's a. It's a. I think it's from two thousand four. It's a French film called A Prophet, and it a uh, prophet being the uh, the religious figure, not the uh, term for money. making money. Monies. Um. Money. And it is the reason I was so badly wanting to see it is because it's it's i've seen it ranked multiple times as like being one of the greatest uh 2000s gangster films and and not just that but like one of the greatest gangster films period and i was really excited to watch it but it's once again it is so long (laughs) that i just had a hard time trying to commit to something that long so i finally found the time over the course of a week (laughs) because I realized if I I was never just gonna have the time to sit down and watch a three hour long movie, and um, considering that I've been wanting to see this movie for like ten years or more, um, I would say that it it really blew, it it blew my mind. I really enjoyed it. Um, there are a lot of really beautifully shot scenes. They do a great job of capturing the claustrophobia of being in prison. Um, the main character is fascinating because he is a Muslim and there's two factions in the prison that he's in and the Muslims refuse to talk to him. That's like one of the gangs. And then the other gang, um, is an Italian gang, I believe. And they offer him protection, but they only, they they will only treat him as like a, a servant. And even after he's been serving them for over a year, they refuse to, um, like, acknowledge him as a person. And there's a, there's also one of the most brutal, crazy assassinations in this movie that I've ever seen. Um, and I've told Caitlin about it, and it makes her very uncomfortable whenever I bring it up. I don't know. Now it just um, kind of makes me laugh. But <laughs> it is it is a absolutely... <laughs> Um, like breathtaking film, and I really, really loved it. And I wished that I had watched it sooner because it—it's really rare that a film that you know, like you've wanted to see for that long, lives up to all your expectations. And this one definitely went past my expectations. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, so if you can get your hands on it, I highly recommend checking it out. You said you bought it, so you you bought it. You watched it on physical media. I did. So so there's probably I don't know. You probably just rent it on like Amazon, so you don't know if it's streaming anywhere. Uh, for a long time it was streaming on on Netflix. Um, I don't know if it still is, but it might be. Okay. <laughs> I would check Prime Video. I mean, or Voodoo. Or anything. It's probably out there. Or anything. It's probably out there somewhere. 
I'm really surprised. All right. Your favorite wasn't. Um, what was the karate movie you went? Oh, the art of self what? defense. Yeah, the art of self defense. That was really good too. Mm. Also, if I if I would say I did actually, did you guys record uh, an episode on Spider Man? We did. Okay, I did finally see that. It is very good. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it a lot. Jake Gyllenhaal is very good. Also, I have not watched Source Code. <laughs> you want to just get it out okay. early? Have you well, watched Alpha? fine then. I also have not watched Alpha. There you but go. Someday. All right, good. Maybe okay. Soon. No cliffhanger. Man, we have spent 32 minutes talking about this. We got to get our shit together. It's okay. The discussion on Death Proof won't be very long. <laughs> Yeah, is it just going to be, what do, what, do you, what do you think of uh, Death Proof, Donnie? Oh, it's amazing. All right, that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> um, oh, eh. Okay. Hard cut so, to end. <laughs> so real quick, I just want to set up, uh, for those of you in the collective, Jace, that may not be aware, um, Death Proof is one of two films that comprise uh, Grindhouse, which Grindhouse. is, uh, Donnie, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe at this point the third collaboration between robert rodriguez and quentin tarantino the previous two being from dusk till dawn which uh tarantino wrote and Correct. rodriguez directed number one and the, uh, and then yep. tarantino starred in and then um the other one being they they both wrote and directed segments for four rooms I would like to point out well, that for those of you who have yes, no for- idea what Jason is talking about, which I, the only thing that I knew about this movie was a vague memory of a commercial where Rose McGowan has a machine gun leg and she lays down <laughs> mm. and like. And it isn't even the movie we're I talking know, about. I <laughs> know, that's the only thing wrong, I knew. Wrong segment. I realize that now. No, it's true. But yes, and also Rose McGowan is also in Death she Proof. Is. So. That there is, she is a thread between the two films. There are multiple threads between the two films, but we can talk mm-hmm. about that later. But but the collaboration, you're actually there's actually three. Did you say three or just two? It said two. Because I listed those they, two. What was the third or what's the next one? They they did collaborate on Sin City. Oh, that's and true. And then also technically, if you wanted to say Kill Bill Volume Two, because Rodriguez did the score for Kill Bill Volume Two. Did he really? Because it was it was for the one dollar. They both gave each other... So, Quentin Tarantino directed a scene. Uh, it's the Jackie yep. Boy scene when uh, he's in the car in Sim City. Quentin Tarantino did that. Yeah. Yep, he, he directed that for a day. And then, in turn, uh, uh, Robert uh, uh he he scored all of Kill Bill Volume 2. Mm. So, just a little tit for tat. I, I always thought it was funny the way that they build uh, Sin City as uh, being directed by Frank Miller and Robert Rodriguez with a special guest director, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino. Special guest director. Yeah, which Sin City, kind of a grindhouse film in a, in its own oh, right. Yeah. All right. Because it's a grindhouse comic. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Wait, can you define a grindhouse film for me? It's just smutty. It's exploitation. Ex- yeah, exploitation it's pretty much, films. yeah. Lots of nudity, lots of violence, lots of, lots of uh, making making sure like praying, giving the audience what they want. In that, these audiences are probably horribly racist, so we're gonna like 
like like black exploitation, yep. like all that, like you know. So it's it's stuff that you would only watch at a screening at midnight and only around a bunch of other depraved fools. <laughs> Wish you could describe my that's what I would describe to the audience right now. <laughs> um, that's that's what I describe it because if you watch any other films that are in the vein of these two films that they made, like you're not gonna walk away with a happy feeling. You're gonna right, be wait, a little wait. grossed I, out. So I got it. So it's it's it would be like um, you know how we've been watching. We've had a, a recent renaissance of like great horror. It would be like uh, watching a horror movie that's just the the gore. Like like if we were to watch Midsum- Midsummer, um, and it was just the Midsummer. the tortury gory parts and none of the other stuff, that's that's like an exploitation or grindhouse movie. So instead of finding the bodies, you actually witnessed what happened. To yeah, the bodies. In- instead of there being a story, mm-hmm. it's just nonstop. <laughs> instead of there being a story, it's yeah, it's right. it's literally just nonstop. <laughs> it's... Like, what we're giving you what you want. That okay. sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's essentially like uh, if you want spectacle in your movie and you don't have much of a budget, how are you going to make people wa- yeah. like talk about your film or like watch your film and like be like, oh my god, those two okay. things like, are very cheap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, so that's that's if if we wanted to like like nail down a definition of grindhouse film, like it's just dirty. Yep. It's, it's it makes you feel gross, but also like. You have a little bit of part in you where you're just like, I need this horrible, shocking thing in my life so that I can, like, get it out and then not have to be like, I don't know. You know what I mean? So, uh, uh, real quick, just to get back to, so this was a part of the the collection known as Grindhouse, which features yes. uh, Planet Terror, which is done by Robert Rodriguez. But the machine gun... Rose McGowan. Yep, yep. the machine gun. <laughs> yep, legged Rose McGowan. Then there are yep. four uh, fake trailers, which two of them now have movies. Um, mm-hmm. Those be Machete, yep, Machete, uh, Thanksgiving, uh, Werewolf Women of the SS, which um, Thanksgiving is done by Eli Roth, Werewolf Women of the SS, Rob Zombie, and then my yeah, my very favorite. Good fake trailer don't which is done by edgar wright um and then yes very if you're, good if you're lucky if you haven't seen it which this wasn't released in the u.s version uh you can find it online yep um they did a standalone movie for hobo with a shotgun <laughs> which which mm-hmm. was and, more in canada and if you yeah only in the theaters in canada and then if you get the blu-ray release of grindhouse it is included on there yeah. so you can view it and also, I I uh, just recently watched Hobo with a Shotgun because I found it for one dollar <laughs> at a dollar deal. store, which was very good. It was very yes. good. And uh, rest in peace, uh, Rutger Hauer. Uh, he gives a very uh, unstable performance, I will say. So that is definitely a grindhouse <laughs> movie to watch after this. He one. and Michael Parks are just two old guys that are a blast to watch. <laughs> um, all right, <clears throat> so. <laughs> yep. So, the 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 seating for what Death Proof is at the end of all of this. Um, mm-hmm. Others, and you're exhausted by that time in the theater. <laughs> trust me. And um, you know, it's it's a it's a tribute to the exploitation genre. It's it's Quentin Tarantino's horror movie. Um, now, one of the things that 
one the reason that we're talking about it right now is because critically publicly and also by Tarantino's own admission this is usually viewed as his worst movie now don't get me wrong like that's like also saying you know being or that's like being uh, Martin Scorsese's worst movie or the Coen brothers worst movie like it's still a movie by mm-hmm. one of those fucking people <laughs> um I don't know the Coen brothers that's true intolerable cruelty is pretty terrible <laughs> anyway uh but yeah so and and the reason I wanted to do this movie is because Donnie I know that you are a huge supporter and defender and have mad love for this film and I have revisited it throughout the years and continue to maintain my my holding that this is probably my least favorite Tarantino film and okay. the reason the biggest reason that we have brought Caitlin on is because she has never seen Death Proof, or had never seen Death Proof until very, very recently. Like, a and, year and a half ago? Oh, much much less than that. <laughs> um, okay. And so... Well, wasn't it just today? No, this is the, so? technically the Take, second time I've seen it. But the last time she saw it was a couple months ago. Mm. Was it really? It was. Huh. Um, and so I thought it would be fun to bring Caitlin on, because you and I both grew up with this film, um, having seen huh? it in theaters, grew yeah. up with this film. Well, you know what? We were in like high school when we years saw ago it. At this point, it's like twelve. Yeah, two thousand seven. Yeah, you spent the end yep. of your adolescence watching this movie. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> feeling dirty as you should feeling when you dirty. are in adolescent. <laughs> yes. So, um, before Donnie, you and I get into this, I would like to hear what you think Caitlin like what how did and also the other reason I wanted you to be on this show is because this is a movie where um just real quick the plot is that Kurt Russell is a stuntman who drives a car and likes to track down pretty young women and murder them with his car (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and so I thought it would be or I I thought that it would be fun to have a female perspective on this film um and if you feel like there are any feminist messages or anything like that um is it misogynist yes. do you think do you think quentin tarantino is a misogynist caitlin let's just get you know what no, no no we, we need to get to the real core question does he have a foot fetish <laughs> oh okay that's not even a question. Well, all right. So I was not aware of that fact until, again, maybe a couple months ago. It was after we saw this movie. And then it was around mm-hmm. the time where I finally sat down and watched Kill Bill. And then we saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last night. And I was like... Two nights ago. Two nights ago. And I, when we got done, I was like, holy shit, Jason... Quentin Tarantino definitely has a foot fetish. <laughs> there were so many feet. And then going back and watching this, I was like, there are so many feet in this film. <laughs> All right. Um, mm-hmm. So, And also, real quick, I just want to give the disclaimer that we are not going to bother with uh, worrying about spoilers because this movie is over 10 goddamn years old. Um, so if you haven't seen it, that's on you, buddy. That's on you. So mm-hmm. I would say it's it's definitely a film that is an experience as yeah. well. So 
that's something to watch as opposed to read the plot synopsis on Wikipedia. Absolutely. You're not going to get the I mean, movie I feel at like all. Our description of the term grindhouse should tell you all, like yeah. it, all you need to know about the plot. There's murder. There's death. There's so, gore. Let's get let's get into it. Caitlin, is this movie misogynistic? Do you think it has any feminist value? What do you think? Um, I mean, okay, so <laughs> the uh, first term that came to my mind was toxic masculinity, which uh, mm-hmm. wasn't really a term <laughs> that was thrown out a lot, if at all, back in 2007. Um, it is kind of at the forefront right now, and it just... It kind of it embodies that. Like, Kurt Russell is the epitome of toxic masculinity. Um, In this movie. Sorry. <laughs> Just oh my to be God. clear. Mm-hmm. Yes. Stuntman, <laughs> Stuntman Mike is the epitome of Sorry. toxic masculinity. Kurt Russell's character. Kurt, Kurt Russell is a wonderful actor. <laughs> yes, he's a wonderful man. He's fabulous. Um, sorry, Stuntman Mike is the epitome of <laughs> toxic masculinity. He, um, mm-hmm. you know, is aggressive, he finds himself superior, he is in, uh, incredibly insulted when his sexual advances are turned down to the point that he will not give up. Um, I mean, just... Whatever comes to your mind, he his character embodies that. I mm-hmm. I do think that there are like very feminist qualities in it. I mean, the second you know, the first group of girls are I mean, they they wait, did I say first or second? The first, first group, group of girls. Like they die, but they're very um I don't know. Like, self-centered isn't quite the word I want to use, but they... Mm. All of the men that are in those scenes are secondary characters. It really is about these girls and their time together and... And being murdered. And being murdered together. (laughs) Um, And just kind of, like, you know, he's this, like, creepy old dude. Uh, Then it like, you know, further in the story, there's another group of pretty girls, and these ones are an mm. actress, a makeup artist, and two stunt women, which I absolutely loved because a lot of the time when I think of, like, stunt people in film, it really is men, and then when you see pictures from sets, a lot of, like, the stunt doubles, not all, but a lot, are usually men with, like, smaller figures wearing wigs and stuff like that so it was it was kind of nice to have a film that centered on a group of girls in the film industry and two of them were stunt women and one of them is in real life zoe bell 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 and i thought she was phenomenal i absolutely loved watching her on screen uh they are i mean the scene on the car where they play ship <laughs> I wanted to say spaceship. <laughs> Not even close. Spaceship? <laughs> I don't know how it was even relevant. Spaceship, spaceship, spaceship. Um, ship's mast. I mean, she she clearly does her own stunts. 
mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. they're intense and she's just I mean they're she's a badass and it's great to watch and it's really nice to see and I know that this was done in 2007 and historically like feminist movements have been going on since like the 60s well no since like the 20s when we were trying to get mm-hmm. the right to vote but there's just kind of more uproar in certain decades and we definitely have one of those decades right now so I feel like I wouldn't necessarily say it was ahead of its time but it is just kind of one of those that stands the test of time where it's a movie about some badass chicks Mm -hmm. and and some not badass chicks (laughs) um, some stuntman Mike comes and he's like you know ramming into their car and he's trying to kill them and not only do they like live but then they turn around at the end of his attack and go after him they're like no we're not you might be done with us but we're not done with you and i thought that was phenomenal jason and i had like a a good um interesting discussion because spoiler kurt russell gets shot in the arm and then there's the scene mm-hmm. where he's his car's pulled over, he's in the field, and he is just the best scene in the entire movie. <laughs> and he's losing his shit and just screaming. <laughs> Why? Yeah, you never you've not seen Kurt Russell act more than he does in that car. And he's just like the biggest yes. crybaby in the entire universe exactly. in that moment. And so my brain like went to, I looked at Jason and I said, I don't think he's really a stuntman. Because if he was a stuntman, he would be used to, you know, getting like battered and bruised and broken Shot? bones. <laughs> what? What do you mean What? <laughs> I don't think a stuntman is used to being shot. I'm not shot. saying... Look, I know, you, I've never been shot. I'm not saying being shot is easy. <laughs> is easy. I mean, it, I'm not saying look, it's an look, enjoyable to, event. To be fair, it is very easy to be shot. No, to I mean like deal being with sh- being shot is yeah, much being more shot, difficult. Not being shot... Well, being shot at is even easier. Yes, but... Um, no, so I just I just feel like... I don't know. This isn't coming from anywhere other than my own, like, assumptions. But I would have thought that a stuntman wouldn't be, like, crying in his car, screaming, why? And, like, he, like, touches his arm, and he just, like, loses his shit again. <laughs> and so I looked at Jace... He's trying to psych himself up to yep. put the yeah, alcohol right. on his arm. He's like, so I told Jason, it. you know, I don't think he's a stuntman. I think he's just a serial killer, and that's his way of blending in. That's how he gets away with his motive. Um, Jason pointed out that what he... How did you say? What, I, said, what, I said the way that I have always viewed that scene is that he is... It's not the bullet wound. It's the fact that... It's the emotional wound. <laughs> it's 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 the fact that the that the the girls one got away for or not got away from him but that they took yeah he stops yeah mm-hmm. he gets out no, of his vehicle they, to once he thinks he kills yeah one of them then he gets out and he's just like i'm done be like i, I was fun and then that's yeah. when he gets um, shot because he's yeah, so for, brazen for me it was the uh I've always viewed that scene as him being upset that they took the power away from him, and that because Which I he, think it's a fascinating idea because that didn't even occur to me. 
Yeah, the he because he doesn't he didn't anticipate the gun, and so they've and and then the rest of the movie is just them continuing to re- take away his power, and ultimately uh, <laughs> driving uh, Rosario Dawson's heel into his face. Well, and then you know when they come back and they corner him in the field, kind of mm-hmm. as much as you can corner someone in a field. Well, they just straight up hit him in the back yeah. when he's parked, like, yep. in his vehicle. And it's just one of my favorite editing moments where you just see it, he does a spit take, and then the back of his vehicle gets hit. With You see the car's hit, and then you see his face, like, for not even, like, a split second, like, yes. hit the yes. steering wheel. Yep. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then you just see it, uh, and then they cut to the wide shot where, they, you know, they see the carnage after the fact. But like after that, and then and then Zoe runs up to him with that bar that she <laughs> yep. found on the side of the road, and just starts whacking him in the shoulder that he uh, was shot in, and it's, it's yeah. Just, well, it's and a good then scene. so then you know the attack continues, them being the predators now, and he's just like, like he's again screaming and crying and just like can't handle the situation, well, and then when they. He kind of, like, pushes them over to the side, and they go up, like, a hill, and he thinks he's lost them. Um, then he starts celebrating again, and it's just a really fascinating look at his, like, what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, his brain and everything, like, life is ending until the moment that he's like, oh, I did win. And... I also just really quickly want to say, since we're talking about the end of the movie, which I think that the last 40 minutes are, are definitely the best part of that movie, um, and really the the thing that I have issues with are the first hour, which we can talk about later. Um, oh, I should I should uh, maybe clarify, you guys watched the Grindhouse version? Yes. Or did no. you watch the extended version? We watched the okay, Grindhouse, Grindhouse, okay. Version. Um... We are, uh, I, I love the, one of the things that I love is the language that Kim uses when she's hitting his car (laughs) and when she's saying, um, let me tap that ass, baby. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm not going to let you go without tapping that ass one more time, which, you know, just considering, you know, the, the, the misogyny, the, the, the feminist ideals, the things that we're talking about right now. And the idea of reversing the power and taking it away from stuntman Mike and using it on him, um, I I love the fact that that's the language that she uses, <laughs> um, because it feels very authentic, ma- very authentic, but also very like something. It's it all it feels very masculine. Yeah, it feels very much like something that a, a guy at a party would be like, "Come on, baby, let me tip that that ass." Right. <laughs> Just one more time. Just let me tap that ass one more time. No, it's it's really great. It's a good, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, continuation of the theme. So, right. As much as we're talking about girl power here, I would also like to point out that those three run off in the vehicle and leave Lee <laughs> to be young. Yes! Okay, good. I'm glad we're circling back here. It's very... It, it, be like, no, 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 no. There's still... The, the girls still treat mm-hmm. each other like shit. They might be friends, but they're just like, I really want to drive this car, so we have right? to leave Lee here. Or like, the other oh, thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, too, that goes along with that sort of theme of, like, the anti 
feminist, um, is when Kim and Zoe are talking about how much they want to borrow the car, and then they tell um, Abby, thank you, Abby. that she has to stay here, and that they're gonna, she's like, no, I want to go with, and they're, like, kind of bickering, like, going back and forth about it, and then they play the mom card. Well, you're a mom, and... Mm-hmm. That just like, you know, as a female, not that I am a mother, but it still bothers me as a female because it's like, oh, well, I don't like to have, like, if I'm a mom, then I don't like to have fun. I don't like to go out. I don't like to be rowdy, like that sort of misogynist theme. But to to be fair, most moms don't mm -hmm. like to be rowdy or have fun. I don't know what, (laughs) are you just referencing your mom? Because no, your mom doesn't like to go out and be rowdy. She likes to have fun, but not in rowdy ways. But I have friends who are moms who still like to, like, go out and be (laughs) crazy. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it is, it is just like, 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 it's not necessarily like, oh, toxic masculinity versus, like, Mm -hmm. you know, feminist. It's, it's more like. Uh, they're all kind of yep. shitty in their own way, and they will be shitty, and it just, like, happens in, like, different permutations. It's it's almost like uh, the two groups of girls, uh, because there's such a very distinct break between the two, it almost feels like we're getting our mm-hmm. own double feature in this one movie itself, which is, like, kind of weird, because, like, once the second half starts, then... Uh, then I think that's where, like, a lot of us who were watching it in the theater probably lost a lot of momentum and started getting very, very tired because it's like, oh, and now we're getting, like, a whole another group of girls and establishment, and then and then now we're going to have to do this whole thing. Um, but, like, there's different levels of all that kind of strife between people, between the two, like, sets of girls and the two ways that it's shot. It's, it, it, like, mirrors back into itself. Like, uh, you know, the girls in the first half are kind of yep. shitty to each other, and they're definitely shitty to Rose McGowan's character, who they know about, but they don't interact with too much. Um, and then there's, uh, <laughs> which uh, in the first one, Quentin Tarantino also, like, uh, he is in it as as Warren, who is the, who is so the owner gross. of the bar. Yes. He's so gross. He's so gross. Although honestly, a better performance than the one he has in uh, Django Unchained, <laughs> where, where he gives he himself just, an uh, this Australian weird Australian dude for no goddamn reason. Yeah, for no reason because they're like the other people there aren't Australian. They're just like yeah, this weird Australian dude's with us, <laughs> and he gets blown up by dynamite. Uh, r- r- real quick, um, just, just but I, I think just want to say no, another like, great uh, performance by Michael Parks is uh, <laughs> that one scene in Django Unchained. Continue. Yes. Yes. Um, but, like, I just think it's... Uh, the more I watch it, the more I, like, uh, look at the parallels between the two groups of girls and, like, the two different storylines, as it were, that, like, uh, the girls in the first one are, like, they don't seem like they're working. They're kind of more laid back. They don't seem like they have really jobs. They're kind of, like, spoiled. And then the second one, they're all working girls. They're all, like, not working <laughs> girls, but they're... They are in the film industry, and they are talking about being on a job, and they just happen mm-hmm. to get some days off. Um, and and then also with, you know, like, 
Uh, because you guys didn't get the lap dance, but I, I got have the lap seen dance. The lap dance. Um, because in, yep, in the How extended one, there is uh, a lap dance. Uh, it's pretty. It's actually very good. Um, that sounds very weird <laughs> I to just say like out your loud. Turn, your, but uh, you didn't get the lap dance, but I got the lap <laughs> dance. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think it is uh, because you just get yep. the yep. scene missing, and then it cuts right yep. to the, them leaving. Um, but uh, I think it's I think it's actually like a very uh, nice scene. That's creepy. Um, Empowering. I just I, I need to stop talking about this lap dance scene. Well, that's the thing is that like the whole scene before it, that's pretty much where you got the gist of everything, like the dynamic between uh, stuntman Ma- stuntman Mike and also uh, the main character, Butterfly? the first girls, which I can't or remember. Yes, I think we only. No, 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 not Julia. I think we mostly, uh, like, I think Butterfly is, is, like, all we know that she's... Anyway, but, um, but, but yeah, it's just every single time I see it, it just seems kind of like it opens up a little bit more. That, like, uh, like nobody deserves to be <laughs> murdered. <laughs> okay, this is a bad road I'm going down. But, uh, like... Th- like in the second one, they're all sober. They're very cognizant. They're trying to get mm-hmm. high on a different level than the girls in the first half, which they're like all like they're drunk just as hell by the time they're leaving the bar and they're highish. Yeah, and well, they're just trying to come down. And then so it gives Stuntman Mike like the perfect alibi to be like, well, they were wasted and I didn't have anything to drink and you know, everything like that. And Rose McGowan's character, oh, she also died in the crash. Like, no, mm-hmm. she was murdered, you know. Um, so it's it's that that aspect of it I think is uh really important to take down like I still feel like there's there's people who could break down all the different aspects of the different characters like compared to the first half of the movie that um kind of like shine a better light on it than because like you don't actually get a whole bunch of stuntman mike no. in the second half you get like a lot of stuntman mike in the first group of girls and then the second group of girls, he is, like, more of a, a way figure. Like, he's more hollow in the way that he's shot mm-hmm. and how many scenes he has. Like, you already know who he is, but he's just this weird and maniac to these I, girls. I guess this is uh, maybe my, my biggest issue with this movie. And you kind of pointed out, you know, like, there are... It is like you're watching two short films. Um, <laughs> Death Proof and Death Proof 2 Stunt Mac, or Stuntman Mike's Return. Um, and... Right. Where 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 they in true sequel form that in the second film they don't know what else to do with the character so they just kind of yeah. do boring stuff with him and then or make him, him a crybaby and then kill him. yeah and then and then there'll yeah, be a, a threequel there will be Stuntman Mike returns again and then and then wait 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 and then, and then the next one will be Stuntman Mike returns again in space <laughs> there right. you go because then he can be like robotic. Yep. Replace so all the bones my my biggest I'll issue with this movie is the first hour. Um, I struggle a lot with one. There are just a lot of tonal shifts, um, and I I get like don't get me wrong, like I truly understand the idea behind the movie and the conceit that this is supposed to be a tribute to grindhouse exploitation cinema. Um, True film. And I'm okay with 
the the cut like the the sharp cuts and everything and the feel like you're watching an actual uh, film version of a movie um but one some of the tonal shifts are just so rough and then the other thing is that there are a lot of plot bits that are set up that have no payoff or impact on the movie at all um can we talk about julia's julia's, yeah, julia's phone julia's phone yeah. and her her boyfriend um yeah <laughs> which okay i'm just gonna like circle back really quickly again that's one of those things where the girls in the first movie are very like driven by the males in that that are in their lives um and in the second Mm -hmm. part like the girls are just talking about how like they're the ones that are in control of the relationships Mm -hmm. and yeah so just Mm -hmm. those differences made it when you were talking about it made me think of that but and at the same time though like I, i have a hard time because as much as i don't like um, and also, even the even like you were mentioning, I mean, the stuff with Eli Roth and the other guy, and how they're like, we're just gonna ply him with liquor, yeah. and then we're gonna try to get lucky. <laughs> um, I mean, that that's another thing mm-hmm. that I mean, it really does not feel like it goes anywhere. I mean, I, I maybe the maybe the only reason it's in there is to set up that like, oh, this is why they're so drunk. But I mean, maybe it's that, a comment on like bar like the bar scene maybe i don't know and but at the same time i also think that you know i it's it's a necessary evil because without that you don't get the the great line of kurt of kurt russell going you know this car really is death proof but to get the benefit you really need to be sitting in my seat um you don't get the the tension of him talking with rose mcgowan um, you don't get that great. You don't get to see him kill those women the first time, and those are all things that I think you definitely need. Um, so I don't like. I want to be clear. Like I don't know a better way to make this movie. I just don't think that um, a lot of the stuff that they do in that first hour works very well. Um, and until maybe. Right. What's that? I, I, I disagree. But I mean, do you, you, you have still? Oh uh, no! I, I was just gonna say once, once, like what, like the stuff with Kurt Russell, I think works, and I think that the stuff between him and Rose McGowan works and is interesting. I think that a lot of the stuff between the girls is interesting. I just, I, I feel like knowing the payoff and the fact that they're all just gonna die. Um, makes it a lot and that there's like no continuation of their story in any way shape or form for me makes it a lot less interesting right um i it's it's funny because like i always kind of feel like the first half of the movie is like there's so much stuntman mike and there's so much that, like, goes the way Stuntman Mike wants it to go that I almost feel like it's his perspective. Like, he's almost the main character <laughs> yes. of the first half of the movie. And then the second half, it's I, very much I the agree. girls. Like, you don't... You, yeah, like, you... Like, to be... Uh, it almost reminds me if you had to, like, match up two screenshots to, like, make this difference. 
there is uh there is a shot in like he's at the bar and you see him at the bar you join him at the bar and he's talking and he's being a patron at the bar you know and uh like he's he's able to tell all of his stories but in the second one there's the there's the shot going around the table of the girls talking at the restaurant and you see stuntman mike at the counter like he eats something real quick and then leaves before the shot's done and that's like he's just a figure in the background like he's just an obstacle for the girls to get to get between them and then but most of the time you're just spending time with the girls like the when for example when in the first half you don't leave with the girls you leave with stuntman mike when they when they drive off from the bar in the second one you're always constantly being with the girls so like thematically i you saying that the first half doesn't work i feel like thematically they have to be different and it has to be that certain way because it is more conventional like uh, like mm-hmm. old slasher film where it's just dumb dumb <laughs> teens like being hormonal and just wanting to get with each other and then the second one is more grown up and it's just like no it's just these women who want to hang out because they've been working for a long time and they might talk about men but most time they just want to hang out with each other and then you know there's there's nothing to stop man mike until like he actually interferes with them interferes into their story so like that's why I don't have a problem with the first half. Like it is a drag, especially after you've watched Planet Terror yeah. and you've gone through all these short these these trailers, and then all of a sudden you have this like really slow plotting like '80s um, slasher that has nobody dying until the very mm-hmm. end. And and I you know I do want to be very clear. Like so, I think that this movie is entertaining as hell, and I think that there's a lot of fun stuff to watch in it. I also just I feel like there's a lot of stuff that could be cut from that first hour and I think the movie would benefit from it. Um there's right. like I said I there's a so. lot of the a lot of the 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 drama or the plot points that they try to set up that don't really go anywhere, don't really have any payoff. Um Really, I I wish that they they would release a cut that's just stuntman Mike eating those nachos. <laughs> because no, that is the best shot that's in the entire disgusting. film. Yes, and, and, yes, and if the they could do shot. it in slow motion, that would be even better. Oh, no, Jason! Oh, this sounds like something out of my nightmares. It's so gross. Just that slow. No, I don't, stop it. I don't. I don't. A very uh, Guy Fieri moment because when he's eating those nachos, yep. he has rings on his finger too. And I just like remember back to that joke I saw on Twitter where it's just like, I wonder how much <laughs> flavor is under those rings because it's just like the most disgusting thing. Is like, don't eat that stuff with rings on. You know, like mm-hmm. how much stuff is getting stuck under there? Please wash your hands. Well, disgusting. Okay. Backing up before the thought of the disgusting nachos. <laughs> Um, I agree with Donnie. I really Donnie. liked the first part. And I guess my question for you, Jason, is... So, I enjoyed it in the aspect of... I feel... I felt it was necessary in the sense that it gives us an idea of who Stuntman Mike is, um, how he works, you know, 
basically as a serial killer. Mm -hmm. Um, what his plan is and how he executes it. And that's necessary. And I felt that was necessary in order to get to the second half because otherwise it's just some crazy dude who like why there just would have been Mm -hmm. too many whys. So I guess my question is if you didn't like how they did that, like what would you have changed? Would you just not have focused that much on the girls? I mean, to, to be clear, like I said earlier, I don't know what I would have done. Like, I don't know what you could do differently. Um, and like I said, I, I, I know that you need all of that stuff because that that's what makes this, the second half such a compelling story. Um, but at the same time, I, I there's just it doesn't work for me in the in the way that it is. I mean, I don't know. Okay. I, th- I think that. Um, I think that if one they had cut out, yeah, if they if they had cut some of the stuff, um, like we had talked about some of the some of the drama, if they'd cut out some of that stuff, if they'd cut out the stuff with the phone, um, if they had cut um, maybe the the opening sh- short a little bit, um, and I know that that's kind of important because you see or you get to see uh, stuntman Mike kind of stalking them. Um, but at the same time, there is stuff in there that doesn't need to be in there. Um, I don't know. The, the, it's, it's just a very rough movie um, in terms of how it's framed and how um, it shifts from scene to scene. And I get that at, you know it's also kind of paying homage to that type of film. Um, I just don't think that it works very well for me. Okay. Um, and like I said, I, I still f- I find value in watching the first hour. Um, there's just a lot of stuff that I, I wish that they had done it differently. That being said, I don't know what that differently would have been. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hard to say. Or even if there was a connecting thread that wasn't just Stuntman Mike, where it's like one of the girls in the car actually survives and like is trying to like hunt him down and while he's trying to mm-hmm. kill this next group of women and then there's something about like her trying to like inter- intervene. Yeah, that would have been... It's... I don't know. Yeah. But like it just... It's it's really weird to think like what if somebody just like started watching this movie in the second half just like just started watching with you the, know what with the stunt I'm, women and actresses. we're gonna do that we're gonna like show that, that group. to one of our friends and we're gonna, just gonna show them the second half and see what they think <laughs> or the the last forty minutes and see what they think. All right. I think uh, I think I think like, now we're gonna show you the prequel the show and that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> We're just going to show her the last 40 minutes and see what she thinks. All Tell right. her that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, it's it's like how, uh, how, how I really want to watch the um, recut version of Sin City with someone who's never seen it. Because I'm interested to see how the story works when it's more of a straightforward movie. <laughs> anyway, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't know. Caitlin... W- what did you think overall like do you feel this is this is tarantino's like worst movie um or do you think that it ranks a little higher up on the on the on the flagpole um well we discussed like i have 
I've seen all of his except for Jackie Brown. Yep. Which, <laughs> what which, does that mean, Donnie? It, it means that when you watch it, you're in for a treat. <laughs> okay. It's a Christmas treat. Because all the marketing for Jackie Brown is, you're getting something right. great for Christmas or something like that. <laughs> or Santa's got a new bag. Um, so... It Jackie is, Brown is a very good film. I don't... I don't know. I... I don't think I would put it very... I don't... I wouldn't put it at the bottom. There isn't one that, like, sticks out to me that, like, is at the bottom. And, honestly, I, like, I really like Tarantino as a director. I feel like anything that would end up at the bottom of my list would only be because that was, like, the only place it, mm-hmm. I could fit it in. Alright. Um, so the last thing... If we're done talking about Death Proof, um, which I feel like we got to the, the, the meat of the conversation I really wanted to have, which was just why why I'm not a huge fan of it and why you're a huge fan of it. So really you just asked us to come on here um, so we could listen to you talk about why you didn't like a movie that no, we I, like? No, I wanted to hear you guys' perspective on it. That's why. Mm. So, I don't know. Donnie, do you have anything else you want to say about Death Proof? It is very good. I think the more people you have watching it, the better. Because uh, of, like, any, like, horror movie, like, I feel like it might have, like, the most, like, mellow Mm -hmm. and probably the slowest burn. But then, like, uh, and this happened in the theater when I watched it. I still remember it as, like, that end chase sequence, though, is just, like, exhilarating, like... Oh, if if the first half puts you to sleep, then the second I, half woke you up. I for still sure. remember when we saw it in um, theaters because it was you and me and a bunch of our friends, and we took up a whole row or two rows of the theater, and then and then there was one other guy in the theater. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Be like, why isn't this theater packed? This is the best thing to come out in forever. <laughs> no, I mean it's good. But also, I ex- I know exactly why it wasn't uh, a big hit because the runtime was like yep. f- four hours uh, plus. I, I also really quickly just want to say, and I'm sure you'll back me up on this: if you do want the full Grindhouse experience and you want to watch all of it, I highly recommend you watch this first. <laughs> that that you start with Death Proof. Mm-hmm. Yeah i I always get very upset that. Um, mm-hmm. That they didn't reverse the order. But then I wouldn't have been leaving that theater with such a good feeling. Which, honestly, that's the better feeling to leave on besides the ending of Planet Terror, which is, to be honest, awful. I I guess we'll have to do Planet Terror sometime so that we can bicker about why I think Planet Terror is great. (laughs) I know, see? like, And now I'm going to be on that podcast going like... Planetary is just like, Rarari has really lost it. No, but it's like, like I said, another podcast, <laughs> Jason. Great. We I will discuss this it. further. All right. Um, so this is the, uh, the 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 question I have for discussion, real quick, um, which is they've been talking about, and I think Eli Roth still brings it up every now and then, um, which is if we were to do, or if they were to do a sequel 
or a Grindhouse-esque sequel, which two filmmakers would you want to be paired together? Um, and I don't, I don't really want to just go around and have us each say who. Um, shout it all at the same time. Yeah, well, I'm going to count to three, and then we're all going to yell Edgar Wright and somebody else's name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep, okay. So, 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 so let's do that first, and then, and then we count can have down. an actual discussion. So ready? One, two, three. One, Edgar Wright two, and Alexander three. Aha. <laughs> Edgar Wright and Taika Waititi. Did you say Taika Waititi? You don't get to talk. You got to say it. Yeah. Oh, no. I had no opinion. Edgar Wright and pick a director. <laughs> I'm not going to pick a director just because you shout at me. PTA. Thank no, you. that's true. That's mean. <laughs> All right. Oh. That's your answer. Michael no. Bay. That's not my answer. Edgar Wright and Michael Bay. <laughs> no. That's, stop that's, saying that. That's going on the... That's on the, an affront. That's going on the film. show notes for this episode. <laughs> All right. Uh, Yikes. I don't know where to go. From. All right. So. Please cut the silence. Uh, definitely yeah. Edgar Wright needs to make Don't. That would be his film. Um, because I feel like he's been trying to lean into mm-hmm. a Grindhouse film for a while especially, now. But he hasn't had the courage to do so. Especially with Baby Driver. So he needs to. Yes. But I would say, like, like the Cornetto trilogy, mm-hmm. like, borders on Grindhouse stuff. Like, especially Hot Fuzz, where you're like, oh, this is just, uh, you don't expect yeah. the gore. <laughs> especially when that piece of the building drops on that guy's head. That might be one of the most shocking, like, scenes of gore in that I've ever seen. Just because, like, there's not really a whole bunch of other gore in that film, and it doesn't really pop up until later in the film anyway. So, like, to have that be, like, the first major scene of gore, like, he he is a Grindhouse director. He just hasn't directed a Grindhouse film, but he yeah, needs no, to do I, that. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think Edgar Wright would be... I mean, you know, honestly, I feel like a great one would be um, Edgar Wright and then uh, Miller and Lord. <laughs> I would love to see mm-hmm. their version of this movie. I thought it um, would. All right, Whenever who, you're what ready. do you got? Um, I want to see Jim Jarmusch do Hobo with a Shotgun. <laughs> I think that would be... What? Remake it? Yeah, exactly. Remake it? But in his Ugh. own way. Well, he kind of just did his... Jim Jarmusch just did his own... Uh, Which one? Grindhouse film. Oh, yeah, that's right. Dead the Don't dead Stay Dead. dead or the Dead what? Don't Die, that's what it is. The Dead Don't Die. All right, um... Yeah, I don't know. Donnie, is there... Who who did you say say Taiki Watada? Or how you say his name? Watidi? Yeah, now you're making me think twice about saying his name. But then again, like, another person who borders on uh, making a Grindhouse Mm -hmm. film because he's doing (laughs) Jojo Rabbit, and that (laughs) seems like way too weird of an idea. Um, Jeez. Um, So, like, and also with, like, he... He borders on the, just the oddest. I can't even begin. Like uh, what we do in the shadows. Like another act, another director who like is very very close, and you know he wants to do it, <laughs> but like he's too mainstream now. <laughs> so it's hard. It's hard. Although you know, if, you never if, know. Never say never. Yeah. Still, still waiting hey, on werewolves. 
they're getting closer. I mean, the the paranormal show is coming out, and the what we do in the shadows TV show is already out. Um, I would I think that if I could really do, um, like if I could dream pick directors for another Grindhouse movie, it would be Edgar Wright and Miller and Lord, and then for the trailers, it would be. Um, Alexander Aha or Aja or how you say his name. Aha. Um, and then another guy whose name I'm not 100% sure how to say, but uh, the guy that did uh, Don't Breathe and the Evil Dead remake, I believe it's mm-hmm. Fede Alvarez. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. And then I would also That's throw a, yeah. uh, Joe Lynch, who did Mayhem, um, which is. And then uh, uh, Point Blank, which is on Netflix right now, um, which is a, a blast to watch. And then um, I would I would also throw uh... oh what get it out. You know what? That's a good answer. Get it out. I'm going with Jordan Peele. <laughs> you you have the <gasps> yes. I would love to see him do a, a Grindhouse Peele. trailer. Yeah. Yes. So that th- those would be my picks for a okay. uh, yeah. for a uh, grindhouse sequel. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. Um. So yeah, I, I don't know if if you if if you two have anything else to contribute to this conversation. <laughs> I'd. No, I'd like to see. I'd like to see. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> like to see what George you know Lucas what could do. I would sorry go ahead like this okay I was just gonna say you know what I would really like no, them to release is the all the footage that Rob Zombie reportedly shot for werewolf women of the SS because mm-hmm. he was the only one that like went with it right and was like yeah. I'm making a full movie <laughs> yeah and they're You're like no five minute trailer. we don't have the budget for this <laughs> um Although, yeah, and uh, would you say that most of that budget went to Nick Cage? <laughs> Probably. As Fu Manchu. And he says Cinnabon. This is my mecca! Cinnabar. Can't remember, but he's... <laughs> Cinnabar! That is so racist. See, that's the kind. See, that's actually the Grindhouse movie I want to watch, um, because it just <laughs> makes wait, leaves you feeling dirty. One. Wait, but you, also you just want to watch Nicolas Cage in, in uh, Asian face for <laughs> for two for for a Grindhouse movie? <laughs> kind of. I, I, I could dig that. I mean, um, it, like, I mean, we kind of get enough of that from like Bad Lieutenant. Although, honestly, I haven't oh. I haven't watched that, so. But, like, that kind of performance pervading a, a Grindhouse film. Or, you know what? Just, like, have everything else be crazy around him and be, like, the only, like, straight-faced person in the entire film. That'd be pretty funny. That'd be good. All right. Well, know. let's start wrapping up. Because um, the show is going on a little bit longer than I anticipated. Which is fine. Uh, yeah, it's can- long. It's a grindhouse slings the uh, podcast. 
It's true. a Grindhouse length For podcast. For only one half of Grindhouse. <laughs> yeah, which we'll get to. We'll get to Planetary oh, yeah. at some point. I'm sure if we can um, continue on I doing would this. Quickly, just like to uh, plug my Twitter, which is at argue with Jason, where you can um, follow and argue with me because Caitlin won't. So if you do, I won't have to. <laughs> um, Donnie, where can people find you? <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Doggyon the Third. You can just look up Donnie Nelson. Um, and oh no, Uh-oh. I used my real name on a podcast. Now it's nothing good is gonna happen from that. Okay. Um, and then uh-huh. yeah, that's pretty much the main part. And if you want to follow the Outer Frame on Twitter, I'm I, I try to ship posts as much and as possible. I'll plug the podcast Instagram. It's the underscore Outer Frame underscore podcast, I believe. I don't know. Something like that. Type in the Outer Frame podcast. We will pop up. And I run the Facebook account, which I have recently gotten much, 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 much more active on. So. Yeah, make sure that you're you're starting at probably the Facebook page and then moving from there because I've tried googling the Outer Frame multiple times and the Outer Frame <laughs> podcast and Google is not our friend, so you will not find any of our shit on there. So make sure that you go on Facebook and you see, uh, you know, us, yep. uh, Preston's wonderful characterizations of us, and and make sure that you're you're going to all these places from there. Um, also, really quickly, I would just idea. like to thank all of our fans who have liked our Facebook page because we finally hit 100 likes, um, which was I was very excited hey. about. Um, I would like to say that we are now going to do the push to get to the next the next goal. Let's get to 200. Um, tell in, your friends about us. T- tell please tell your friends about this show. <laughs> Yes, uh, and and mostly it's just us talking and just having fun. So if you listen to this and you get anything from it, or you're having fun listening to us, that's mostly the thing. We're not we're not too huge on trying to be huge or famous <laughs> or anything like that. That's a good byproduct. Actually, I don't want fame. Can we you stop can this podcast, movies. Jason? I was um, gonna say I, I I would really like it if if there's yes. a movie out there that you think is not talked about enough um nothing that has come out like within the last year or so preferably but if there's something that you're like why don't people talk about this more uh donnie and i probably feel the same way so please send it to us i'd also really quickly just like to plug that i have finally talked with my mom and we are going to do a mini episode and see how it goes and it is going to be called my mom explains and we are just going to pick some movies that i think would be hilarious to hear my mom explain and the first movie we will be doing is jordan peele's us and it's going to be a riot <laughs> it's going to be hilarious so you can look forward to that coming out in the next week or so this has been a wonderful time and experience please like share subscribe <laughs> everything that despite has to do what with, they uh, say they appreciate you no we don't 
Please like and share and subscribe everything that has to do with our podcast. I love uh, you. Especially you stupid psychic believing bastards out there. Um, and <laughs> go watch more movies. I'm a nihilist. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Go watch movies. Lords of Chaos.